correctly. So I'm going for it. Leilani? <laughs> you got it. There you go. Is Easy that right? You've been kind yeah. or no, seriously. Right? Okay. That's that's perfect. Wonderful. I can relax now. Okay, great. Uh <laughs> welcome to Outward Unleashed. Thank you for joining us. Uh would Thank you mind you letting our me. audience know um what takes up your time? How would you describe what you do? Oh god, really? Oh gosh. Uh, in, I in under say... half an hour. If you can <laughs> I am just a, a stable cleaner. That's what I do. I, uh, for fun, and I don't really have a job. So um, I'd say for fun, I'm just cleaning out my horse's stables. Um, I live on a little farm or a former farm, and I have three horses, clean out their stables every day. And that's pr pretty much all I do, except every now and then I get asked to go on um, the Mark Stein show and commentate a little bit about what's going on in the world. So, yeah, keeping keeping abreast of what happening in the world and then also cleaning out horses stables yeah and i think you you first came to my attention when um there was a ban on on grid girls uh, in the in the in formula one i mean you, you can explain to the audience what grid girls are exactly but i thought i found your perspective very refreshing because it was sort of this decision to ban ban grid girls on, on, on uh, formula one was sort of celebrating as some progressive development and almost, uh, you know, under the guise of female empowerment. And you, you quite definitely pointed out that all it really did was put a lot of women out of work who felt they were already empowering themselves. Maybe you can speak a bit about that incident for us. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, about 20 years ago, I'm 44 now. So from probably 18 to maybe 24 years old, I, I worked as a grid girl. I, I did all of that stuff. I was doing the car shows, Max Power show um grid girls are the girls that kind of stand by the cars on formula one and and um gosh all the other kind of car little car racing things that go on around the country um and and hold their position as the cars line up um and kind of stand by the cars and i don't know just basically i don't know decorate them being a pretty female <laughs> or you know a good shape and apparently you know this was kind of degrading to women because obviously you know you're getting picked by how kind of fit you are or what you look like, what have you. So, so they, they banned it. It was degrading to women. Um, Got to be stopped. And you had all these these women out there saying, you know, stop it. It's just awful. But, you know, to me, um, you know, I was modeling a bit. I did a bit of page three. I was doing the grids. I went worked at Silverstone year after year doing the Formula Ones. And suddenly... You know, um, luckily it was past the time I'd already finished, but suddenly they decided to stop it. Um, and so all these girls, you know, that were paying their rent from it, paying their mortgages, um, you know, they'd, they'd lost a lot of their income. So how is that empowering to women? And what I think I start, the outrage started and brought it all up again is the fact that people like Sam Smith can parade half naked on stage. And you know what, you know, doesn't even say he's a man anymore and is out there in a thong in front of kids and that's totally okay that is totally it's like the most demonic satanic stuff and he's out there and and you know suddenly that's okay um and then then you know costa coffee costa coffee posts this mural or whatever it is of a woman a topless biological female with her breasts cut off um, and that is supposed to be empowering. 
to the LGBT, blah, 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 plus, plus, QQ, whatever it is, alphabet mafia, that's supposed to be something <laughs> to be looked at as exciting or as brave. And, you know, you're taking a woman, topless. I know it was a cartoon, but Doc Martens has also done it. And I've seen it on adverts as well, where they'll take a woman and they'll show the mastectomy scars and, you know, suddenly, suddenly, suddenly that's okay. Completely okay. Well, there's a lot to pick up there. First of all, thanks for putting the image of Sam Smith in a thong in my head. I'm holding you, <laughs> holding you personally responsible for my current mental state. Uh, I suppose just not to dwell on this for too long, but I am fascinated. I mean, what, what was your experience of the modeling industry? Because I suppose for, for outsiders looking in, there's this perception of sort of seedy men controlling women, objectifying them, forcing them into scenarios they don't want to be in, things like that. How close to the truth am I here? How was your experience? Do you know what? I actually had the best time in my life. I met some amazing women. Um, you know, we were young at the time, between 18 and 24. Um, I've always, I don't know if you, people that have followed me know I'm a very um, strong-minded person. So, you know, if there was a photographer that tried to push me a little bit, I knew my boundaries. Um, and I think that that's really important. And that's, where if people aren't strong inside, they can go beyond anything they're comfortable with. But I was always um, very strong-minded. I had my boundaries set. Um, and so I, I honestly I honestly had the time of my life. Um, I made some good money. Um, I invested it well. And it's given me the freedom to be able to speak openly and not be accountable to anybody above me. You know, so to, you know, to tell me, you're fired tomorrow because you spoke out about can uh, Costa Coffee and you're a transphobe. So, you know, <laughs> you answer you stuff. answer to them horses and nobody else, essentially. Exactly, exactly. As long okay. as my horses don't think I'm a bigger, a transphobe, a far right extremist, or whatever else I've been called the last three years, then everything's good. I, I think they've moved on to Nazi now. By the way, I've seen a lot of that in the recent recent months. Strangely, um, oh yeah. Just, I mean, just to pick up on that idea of uh, female empowerment, and I suppose there's, a, there's, in terms of like attractive women in front of cars and advertising things, there's this thing about aspiration that appeals to people, isn't it? It's not a case of, you know, I, I, I am them. It's almost a case of I, I'd like to be like them, and, and that, yeah. that sells something. It seems. I don't know if you remember a while back, Sadiq Khan, our, our ultra woke London mayor. He banned a lot of these advertisements of women in bikinis and things like that, summer adverts on the local tube because he felt it was setting a, a bad standard for young women. And, and I think, I mean, I, I hope we could agree that there, there are, you know, women have a lot of anxieties about their appearance and that, that probably leads into the, the issue we're seeing with Costa Coffee as well. I mean, do you, how do you deal with an argument like that from Sadiq Khan where he's saying adverts like that have a, you know, a detrimental effect on the average woman? So I saw that advert. It was a, an attractive woman, obviously looks after her body. Um, wasn't anorexic, wasn't morbidly obese. Yet for some reason, right now, 2023, we're celebrating morbidly obese people as, you know, body positivity. So to me, um, I mean, I don't know how kids find it because I find it very confusing that you take you're not allowed to put a poster of a person who's kind of fit and in good shape in a bikini. But you can show somebody a, a biological woman topless. And I have seen it on actual adverts. I've seen Elliot Page, who used to be called Ellen Page because she is a biological female in 
the middle of the Daily Mail, I think it was, or on, on you can you can look her up, her, him, whatever you want to call him. Uh, whatever you want to call her, um, look her up. And she's topless, but because she sliced off her boobs, she's now brave and we should celebrate her. And, uh, you know, this is whole bravery thing. So I can't even imagine how confusing it is to a kid because I'm so confused by it. I'm like, hold on a minute. We can't have girls on grids. We can't have a girl in a bikini who's in good shape on the London tube but we can, you know, have these morbidly obese people in the skimpiest clothes all over social media and Instagram and TikTok, and we're supposed to celebrate them. We're also supposed to celebrate the women that have cut their breasts off because they want to appear as a man. And, you know, you even have a pregnant female who's cut off her breasts with facial hair on the cover of Glamour magazine during Pride Month. So I don't know what, I'm so confused by it all that I don't even know what these young girls are meant to, you know, to think about it. Um, so it just, it, it like, it baffles me. And it's, I think it's going down a very dangerous path. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned anorexia before um in terms of the the models being actually you know fit and healthy on on these uh adverts and obviously anorexia is used in comparison quite a lot to what we're seeing at the moment we, yeah. you know the idea that perhaps someone like helen page is a man trapped in a woman's body that's the sort of progressive tenet that's accepted without evidence for some reason right. and she goes to the doctors and says i i believe i'm a man and they start affirming this and it obviously leads to surgery medicalization for life and people have compared it to say going to um, the doctors and saying you're anorexic when you're not and the doctor sort of prescribing liposuction. It's, it's almost yeah. like the same kind of thing, affirming uh, a condition, isn't it? Right. See, and that's how I've always compared it as well. Like you would never, you know, I remember at school there were young girls um, maybe not even had got to the stage of full-blown anorexia, just thinking they were overweight and fat. And, you know, it's like saying, okay, Okay, yeah, you know what, you are. And these were, you know, very slim girls. And obviously anorexics really do have a mental condition because anorexia is a mental condition. And it would be like saying to, you know, any of those within that kind of parameter, you know what, you are, you are overweight and let's put you on a diet. And as you say, give you liposuction and let's you know, affirm this delusion that you, that you are overweight the same way you're going to affirm, affirm this delusion that you're in the wrong body. And, you know, you're told, you, you know, there used to be a message where you would try and teach people to love themselves as they are. And it seems to me this whole trans ideology, when they're pushing it towards kids, is telling kids, don't love yourself how you are, change it because you're wrong and everything about you is wrong. And, you know, there's no, it's just such a dangerous place when they're um, prescribing chemical castration, which is basically, you know, puberty blockers, because that's what uh, puberty blockers are. They chemically castrate the kids. Um, and in America, you know, there's kids as young as 15 going for double mastectomies, I think even younger. And it's, it's irreversible. Then you have the transactive. And then, you know, there's states in America that then ban these surgeries from taking place and say, we're not going to give kids puberty blockers. And then the trans activists come out 
completely against that, saying, oh, hold on a minute, do it, give it to these children. And we're just in such a dangerous place. And no one is, they're not having the discussions with enough of, you know, the detransitioners um, who are giving their side and, and all the errors that were made. And then you hear that there wasn't the proper safe guarding and they were kind of pushed into it or rushed into it or convinced into it. Um, and you're not having the kind of discussions um, around the long-term effects and the fact that these kids could possibly be on medication for the rest of their lives. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's becoming a very um, dangerous place, especially when you're seeing now, you know, in places like Costa Coffee, like on Doc Martens, like in the newspapers and, you know, social media, all, all these young girls with um, mastectomy scars. Yeah. I mean, is it is there a case of it in terms of young girls specifically now where just being, quote unquote, cisgender straight is just uncool? There's no cred involved in it. And it's almost like a fashion statement. I realize I'm sounding like a very grumpy old man here. But it, I mean, I, I just know from experience in terms of nieces that they're all they're all gay, pansexual, whatever, depending on what week it is. And uh, typically you kind of think that teenagers kind of grow out and come out the other end of this. But this is slightly more dangerous in the fact that if they find themselves at a clinic somewhere, it might just be affirmed. Yeah. Well, this is it. And I think there is definitely social contagion. I think that plays a big part in it. Like you said, um, they don't necessarily fit in. They say that a lot of autistic um, kids come out as, as trans because they're not really understanding anything. And I think puberty is like a hard time you know, for any kid, and they've got a lot of hormones going around, they're confused. Um, and, you know, back in the days, with music, it used to be like a crazy haircut, or, you know, something, or you dress funny, or a few piercings. Now, it's like, you know, saying you're the, and, and there's an element of social contagion, I think there's an element of um, attention seeking, an element of trying to fit in, um, you know, if you feel a little bit different, there's suddenly this big group that will come and affirm you and make you feel special if you say you're the opposite sex. And then, and then you've got the adults. And then the worst, actually, are the adults that push it all because they're kind of excited by having um, the attention it brings them to be the teacher with the first trans kid in your lesson or to be the parent. You know, I had um, a friend uh, speaking to somebody in America, a friend of mine, and she said that, She'd gone to um, to a park and there was a little girl playing. Or anyway, little could have been a boy, could have been a girl, I don't know. Uh, the parent gave the name, said it was boy's name, and said, but used to be, you know, this now is David, but used to be Jessica. And it's like, why is the parent doing that? You've never met my friend before you're giving the hot it's as though you want to be you know special and and everyone to could tell to oh wow you've got a trans kid did it you know it's all i think there's a lot of uh there's a lot of that as well with with um adults as well trying to push it yeah for definitely and i think i think some of the reports coming out the tavistock clinic uh documented that quite you know, uh, emphatically, uh, just to get your opinion on a single sex space. I don't think it's something I've, I've brought up much tonight. And I, I un admittedly, much to my shame, was quite blasé about it several years ago when this debate first came. I, th I think my opinion was, uh, let me know when it's, let me know where I can pee, you know, figure it out amongst yourselves. Yeah. And I, I've come to realize that's a very 
typical male response to the situation because I have completely different concerns and experiences solely based on my biology. So how how have women's single sex based rights managed to be thrown under the bus in such a short space of time due to this ideology and why are they so important? I think it's happened very quickly um, and a lot of people haven't seen it coming and and I think what's what's made people more aware is the fact that you know this rapist in Scotland was put in, well more aware in the UK is that this rapist in Scotland was put into a woman's jail among rape victims um, a male rapist put into a female prison um, into a female prison and I think that then people made people say, hold on a minute, oh wow, it is actually happening here. Because before that it was kind of happening in America, a lot of people didn't know too much about it or they're not paying attention to what the kids are saying in school or they're dismissing it. But now suddenly it's happening in the adult population. Then you hear, you know, Eddie Izzard walking out of a women's toilets and you're like, hold on a minute, you know, the men then start thinking, wait a minute, what if, our daughter was in there. You know, that's, I think that's how men kind of start seeing it. And then you find out they're trying to get into the women's dressing rooms and changing rooms. And I've just read something today where um, a doctor um, canceled this lady's surgery because she wanted her aftercare to be carried out by female doctors. I think, you know, it might, possibly it was gynecological, it said intimate care. So, you know, and I thought, hold on a minute, I've always, when I've gone for a smear test, I've always requested female, that's not even an operation. I've always requested a female doctor because that's how I feel comfortable. I've never thought for a minute, I have to say biological because they might send in some doctor who identifies as a woman, but is a man. And I would just wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be comfortable. So for these men, biological men, to be walking into women's changing rooms, toilets, then also, you know, playing in their sport, taking their awards, taking their prize money. Um, I think people are finally just waking up to how this is going to snowball if we don't do something about it very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just in terms of progress and, and swinging it back to a, a favourite topic of mine, which is freedom, freedom of expression, free speech. And, and you'll be aware as well, as both living in the UK, how just insane some of our hate speech laws are and how you could end up with a knock on the door from the police for misgendering someone online. But it, it does feel over the last year or so, maybe a bit longer, that people are a bit more confident describing reality with accurate language now, for instance. I mean, for instance, I would have danced around a lot of this conversation by using preferred pronouns years ago. And now I'm quite comfortable saying like trans identified male or male uh, for, you know, for a trans woman. Uh, so have we made progress on that score uh, culturally, societally? I think there are people that are prepared to say it. Um, there's obviously issues on TV, which is where, you know, it's going to be a big problem. Ofcom have put out guidance that people have to, um, or at least their presenters have to use the preferred pronouns and they mustn't dead name. Dead naming is where you call someone like Ellen Page, Ellen Page, instead of calling her her new name, Elliot Page. And then you have to obviously say him. So Ofcom have put out guidance. So then what happens is you're going to see um, more of this on TV. So you'll see presenters, you know, like Richard Madeley apologizing for calling Sam Smith he. So that's where the problem is. But I think in real life, the media 
media want to tell you everything's okay with this and that everybody's all on board. But I think the reality is a lot of people want to call a spade a spade, but they might be a little bit afraid of what's going to happen with their work or their jobs. But, you know, privately, I don't think anyone's afraid to call this nonsense out. You know, um, when I've spoken one to one to me, they've just, you know, I've just had people saying this is absolutely insane. It's like, what's going on? I've got kids at my um, there's kids at my son's school dressing up as girls walking around uh, in, you know, the boarding houses in little skirts. And, you know, they're worried about their daughters having to compete against males, you know, all of this sort of stuff. So they'll say it privately, but I don't think a lot of people um, will say it necessarily publicly. And also social media crackdown on it. I mean, I remember making a whole post one day saying, I can't believe um, they want to change the word motherhood to what is it? Birthing, birthing, a birthing parent, birthing parent, you know, and I think, I basically said, made 30 seconds saying, I'm disgusted. There are women out there who haven't actually birthed. They've adopted a kid and they're a better mother than, you know, some people that have given birth to kids, but they are now going to be, you know, now they're excluded. They've got to be something along the lines of that. And it got banned, um, the hate speech, right? Because I went off on one about motherhood. Then I had some person write to me, and say, um, I used to do real estate in Los Angeles. Um, does your real estate company know that you're tra are spouting this transphobic? Da -da -da -da. Um, and I'd left, I've, you know, I've been in England for the last four or five years. Um, I'd left the company, but the company still got an email, must have got an email from this person because they called me up and said, oh, like within a couple of days of me getting this message, I said, can you remove, you know, anything that links us to you as you're no longer with the company? So they'd obviously got an email about me. And I think that's where people are slightly afraid of speaking out in public. But, you know, behind closed doors, I think everyone's quite happy to have the conversation. That, I think that's an excellent point, because I, I often hear from people in private who will say, I, I can't say this because of what I do for a living publicly, but this is what I think. And I'll, I'll hear from them all the time. And it, it's a very interesting thing you've just touched on there with the, the people reflexively trying to get you fired and, and affect your livelihood. It's, it's, it's a modern day witch hunt, isn't it? I mean, we used to burn people at the stake. We can't get away with that anymore. Generally frowned upon. So they'll go for your your livelihood. And that, that plays into a little bit what you were saying about Ofcom and reg, you know, enforcing speech mm -hmm. code, it's almost like enforcing a faith-based religion on people. It's almost like saying, you know, you, you must affirm that Christ was the Messiah if you're speaking to a Christian, or you must uh, agree that a soul's a real thing when discussing Christians. And I mean, is there an argument almost here and almost a, a religious freedom argument as to why you shouldn't have to adopt these, these dogmas and norms? Well, I think the problem is, is there a little, the powers that be, I say they are a little bit afraid um, of us being able to get our heads together because once you have people speaking about these things, um, it's all out in the open, then, isn't it? So if they can use the mainstream media and the newspapers and the breakfast shows and all of this to tell us how to think and then tell us, but everyone thinks that way. And if you don't, you know, there's something wrong with you. If they can keep us all separate and not speaking about this, then, and you know, treading on eggshells every time we want to talk to people, then 
you know, they kind of win. But as soon as somebody raises their head above the parapet and everyone else is like, well, hold on a minute, I feel like this too. It kind of, it destroys their entire narrative. So I think being able to speak and express yourself freely is the most important thing in the world. And actually it's really important even if you disagree with people, because it's always good to know, you know, what the opposition think anyway. So I think freedom of expression is, and, and freedom of speech is very, very, it's, you know, it's crucial. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great to get your take on this because I, I, you can't have failed to notice how this ideology primarily uh, helps and uh, benefits men. And we've seen the kind of language and threats directed at women when they put their head above the parapet and try and speak mm -hmm. out on this. It's, and there's you know, a healthy suspicion that a lot of this is just underpinned by plain old misogyny. How would you feel about that kind of accusation? No, I think you're right. I mean, look at J.K. Rowling um, and all the threats to her. And then, you know, you've got um, Posey Parker. I can't yeah. remember. Kelly J. Keen. That's it. And she's had actual violence towards her from these men. And then and then people like me get called TERFs from these biological men. So it is plain misogyny. It's plain misogyny when someone like, um, you know, Leah Thomas steals, steals a title from Riley Gaines, steals her prize money, steals, you know, her placing, her name in the history books. Well, he, it's, you know, and, and how he doesn't stand there and know he's cheating or care that he's cheating or care that he's stealing from women. I mean, it is it, all of it. It is all uh, rooted in misogyny. And it's not just men that we, it's big farmer as well. Big farmer come out trumps with this because, again, it's pharmaceutical products hormone blockers for kids, then they, or an adult, uh, pu sorry, uh, puberty blockers for kids, then as adults, when they start to get into their heads and try and make them transition, they're going to be on drugs, you know, basically for the rest of their lives, cross-sex drugs, they'll be on um, all the infections from their, um, their surgeries and what have you. So again, big, big pharma, big pharma win again. Yeah. And it seems to me as well, I mean, you mentioned a few names there, Kelly J. Keene, J.K. Rowling. There was also like people like Helen Joyce uh, and various others are at the kind of the forefront of, uh, of pushing back against this. It seems like, I mean, I, I realise it's a, an issue that primarily affects women. So, it, you know, it would stand to reason that it is predominantly women pushing back. And certainly the protests and events I report from, it's a predominantly female gathering. Is there a, a feeling from people that men could do a bit more to push back as well? I, whenever I see somebody really leaning into this ideology, it's, you know, I, I can do the, you know, trans flag in the bio check, pronouns check, beard for some reason check. It always seems to be like men pushing this ideology too. Could, could men do more to push back? Yeah, I mean, men definitely can. And, and you do see a few men show up, but I, I sometimes think men don't feel it's their fight. You know, mm. it's not like some woman's going to come into a weightlifting competition or some biological woman's going to come into a weightlifting comp competition or uh, um, or swimming or something and beat a guy. So um, I don't think that, you know, they're, they're too worried about it. But it's only, I think, when they, like I said, when it comes to, you know, met biological men walking into women's dressing rooms or shop change rooms, that then, you know, men do start to feel a little bit protective about it all. Um, and I'm sure men, uh, you know, 
don't want their daughters disfiguring themselves and and what have you either but i think it's really important because it's it's all of our problems it's not just you know a, a, a females females problems it's it's men's as well i agree you know you know our kid is you know everyone's kids oh someone said what's a turf what is it trans exclusionary radical, radical feminist. feminist it's it's essentially a way for people to call women the c word now it's it's purely a, a pejorative it's it's never said objectively is it it's, it's it's solely thrown out to kind of silence and smear i think totally and the thing is with all these words what they've done to us so you know we've seen it over the last three years all these name calling stupid words is that they actually diminish the word it means nothing it means nothing anymore if, if someone wants to call me a transphobe because i stick up for women and biological women and women's rights and um you know women biological women's sports and whatever if someone wants to call me a turf or a transphobe i really don't care in the slightest bit and i think you know that's happened when i was called a granny killer during covid and uh, <laughs> and all the rest of it i wondered and, where this was going <laughs> yeah you know well it is i mean you know if, if you were against anything in the last three years you got called all sorts of names and it's diminished everything i think yeah, for sure. And I, I think the, there's a certain aspect of reclamation with the word turf, isn't there? I think a lot of the, the gender critical feminists now will, will describe uh, the UK as turf, well, England as turf island, uh, etc. So there's, there's a kind of a, it's almost a pride in the fact that the UK is sort of leading the way in the pushback. Uh, I mean, I, I mentioned this before, but it, it, do we have a bit of an issue as well, whereas in America, it's seen basically as Democrats versus Republicans. And yeah. that's what we, we, by extension, get seen in that light. Uh, yeah, I do. I do think that's the problem is that with social media, the world's become so small that it that what's going on in America, because we all speak the same language, just feeds over here so fast. So where there still might be a bit of pushback in, you know, in non-English speaking countries around Europe, it's really like come over here and 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 it's almost like they've done the same thing with um you know, lockdowns, the war in Ukraine, like they've, they've tried to politicise it, but it doesn't mm. work for England because most people in England just hate the government no matter what side is in power. Whereas in America, you know, they're so, I lived there for 17 years, but it's crazy to see how they will stick to their side no matter the issue. You yeah, know. it's very tribal, isn't it? I've, I've just realised I asked you a massive question with one minute to go, which 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 is really unfair. <laughs> so, Leilani, I've I've really enjoyed speaking to you. You speak a lot of sense. Maybe you can just let our viewers know where they can find more of your output. Uh, you can find me on Twitter on Leilani Dowding. You can find me on Instagram. I had to shorten it down after I was thrown out. So, Lani Dowd on Instagram. I got banned for being against lockdown. So, and the rest okay. of it. <laughs> so, well, yeah. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, thank you for coming on and uh, enjoy you. the rest of your evening. Thank you. Cheers. All the best. Take care. Bye.